Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Jesus Christ was supposed to bring him from the Lord and of Christ caused quite a catastrophe in the lives of the followers of Christ. As a matter of fact, it just simply spread them. They disbanded. They went in every direction. They were in total despair for what they had expected to happen. That is, they had expected Christ to establish himself upon earth as the king, which will not take place until the millennium that we'll talk about next month. They had been totally disillusioned by what they thought was going to take place, not actually coming about. But Jesus arose from the grave. And they suddenly discovered that they had a poor concept or a misconcept as to what he had been teaching all this time. And he brought them back together and he taught them for a few short days, 40 days, and then he ascended and went back to heaven. But he told them before he went that he wanted them to gather themselves together in the upper room, a room that they had used over the years, the three years of his ministry, to gather together. He said, I want you to go to that room, but I want you to stay there until you have received power. That was an interesting request that he made. But we can look at it and see some extreme important things taking place as a result. Go to the upper room and stay until you have received power. Or in the fourth verse of the first chapter, he says, until you have received the promise of the Father. Go to the upper room and stay. Well, why did he want them to go to the upper room and stay? Why not get out of there and go proclaim throughout the whole community that the Lord had risen? Well, there were some things that needed to happen in the lives of that group of people. They were not together. They had had different experiences. Peter and John had gone to the tomb and they had seen the fact that the tomb was empty, but the others hadn't. Mary Magdalene had had the experience of Jesus speaking directly to her, but the others hadn't. In that upper room, as a matter of fact, Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I can personally see for myself. So they were not together. They had to bring themselves to a position of being together if they were going to be a church that would turn, as the words finally were spoken, would turn the world upside down. If the church is going to do that which the Lord has commissioned it to do, it's going to have to be in one mind and of one accord. And this is a thing that was not yet in the lives and the minds of this 120 people that went into the upper room. There was a power struggle going on. 
as to who would be the leader. There was jealousies in their midst and even some hatred in their midst. There was criticism being made of Peter for his denial of the Lord. They had all kinds of problems and discords and lack of love for each other. And this all had to be worked out. And so they spent some days in an upper room, ten days, living together and working out the problems that they had in order that they might be able to be filled with the Spirit and go out of that upper room full of power. This is the very thing that we need, the church needs in today's world, is to spend some time in the upper room getting themselves together so that God can fill them with His Spirit. And if we're going to have revival, that's going to have to take place. I don't know if you have your own personal upper room or not. I hope you do. Where you can spend some time with the Lord. And when you come out of that upper room, it ought to be obvious where you have been. And I believe that we as a church need to spend time in the upper room, if we can use that term, so that when we go out of that room as a church, we will be recognized for what we are. I passed a church one time that had an upper room. It was up, well, back there, up, up high, in the back of the church. Each morning, one half hour before service, each evening, one half hour before service, there was a group of those people who met in that room. They went to the upper room. And they were an influential group upon that whole church because they were people who believed in bringing themselves right with God and right with each other. And day after day, when they met in that room, they stood and held hands. They were united in believing in what the church stood for and what the church preached. And their prayers revealed it. We need unity. We need to be able to put our arms around each other and hold hands and say we're ready for the outpouring of God's Spirit upon us. Moses went into the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. The scripture says when he came back down out of that mountain, there was a glow around his head. And the people took note of the fact that he had been in the presence of the Lord. When the doors opened to this church this morning, and we leave this upper room to go out into the community, to rub elbows with the people of the world, it ought to be possible that they can observe and take note that we also have been with the Lord. So here they were, a disorganized group of people who finally met in that upper room and began to settle the problems that they had with each other. And the scripture says in the second chapter then that they were finally with one accord and in one place. They were a family now. They were a united group. There 
was no discord, and they were all together. This is one of the problems that we have today in the church, is that the church is not all together at one time in one place. We're a small group, a fraction of the membership. I have seen it time and time again, I'm sure you have. The more of God's people that are in his house, the more power there is to go out of that house. When we are of one accord, when the Spirit has been able to come into our midst, I want you to notice what happened in verse 2. And suddenly, the Lord always acts in those ways. Suddenly. His return will be sudden. Uh, everything is sudden. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. Did you see those words? Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. A sound. Have you ever heard the church filled with the Spirit? I remember the church I pastored when I was a senior in college. We were having a revival. The old evangelist by the name of D.L. Whitener. Some of you older people might remember him. He's long since dead, but one of the great evangelists of our state was conducting the revival. He was so old now that he could not stand behind the pulpit, and we finally had to set a chair out on the front of the pulpit, and he sat there and preached the revival. But that's not the point. The church was a church of prayer, and it took the names such as you're doing with with people who need to be saved. And they were praying earnestly. On one night, one of those people for whom that church had prayed was there. A man over 65 years old. He was there. When the invitation was given by that fellow sitting in the chair, this old man stepped out of the seat and walked to the front. I do believe I heard the Spirit come into that church. There was a movement in that assembly that could have been heard, I believe, out on the street. There was a sound from heaven as the Spirit took residence, not only in that man's heart, but when it sat about every person in that congregation. That will happen, folks, when we are in our upper room together. A young preacher asked an elderly pastor one time what it took to be a spiritual leader. This old wise man just said six words. I want you to listen to those six words, and I want to use them for a moment. What does it take to be a spiritual leader? Bent knees, wet eyes, and a broken heart. That's what it takes to have a revival. That's what it takes to make a church full of the Spirit. When we'll get down on our knees, when we will not be ashamed to weep tears for our loved ones and our friends and ourselves in prayer to God when our hearts will be broken for those who need to have their heart healed 
have revival. Then we'll have a church full of the Spirit. Then the community will hear the Spirit come into the body. I want you to notice the other thing that it says here. But they were all filled in verse 4 with the Holy Ghost. Two words. First of all, all of them. Not a portion of the church, but the entire body was filled. And secondly, they were filled. Not just a little dab, but they got a few boats. Their hearts were completely involved in the, in the Spirit. They were fully filled. And what happened? Then on the street, people began to talk to Did you hear something? What was that? And somebody said, I think there was an explosion down there in the church. And the people start running to find out what's going on in that upper room. And as they go, they're saying, what's happened? And somebody says, I think there's a fire. Somebody says, I think there's an explosion. The fact is true. There was both of those things happening. There was an explosion of the Spirit that set the congregation on fire. And what happened? And we're one, I'm one mind and one accord in one place. People were amazed. Verse 7. They were amazed. And verse 12, they asked, What does this mean? I want you to know I have something special. I want you to know you have it. What do you have? You've got the power of God in your life. You have eternal life. You have the peace of God. You have happiness. You have security. You don't have to wonder what I'm going to preach in, in March about future events because you already know what your destiny is because you received the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, folks, if you cannot be sure of that, you need to be considering what is the relationship that you have to God. And you can have happiness and peace and security in God by doing the same thing that every person has to do. That is, open up one's heart and accept the gift that God wants to give you. All one has to do is say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and save my soul. If you've done that, you know what I'm talking about. You've got something special. And what is that special? That special thing that happened? That special person? That's your love? Jesus, I love you, that says. We proclaim our love for Christ because he first loved us. And he said, I'm going back to my Father, and I will send a comforter to you. And that was the Holy Spirit. And he dwells in our heart. We are full of the Spirit because it was given to us. We have something special. And we ought to be telling the world about it. Is the church on fire? Then let it burn. 
but don't put it out. This is one fire we need to see. I guarantee you, when this church gets on fire, this community is going to know that. And the community is going to want to know what does the church have that I don't have. Can you remember when you asked that same question before you became a Christian, maybe? You wondered, what does so-and-so have that I don't have? Then when you became a Christian, you discovered what it was. They had the love of God in their heart, and you didn't have it. When the church is on fire, the community will know it. When the church is on fire, we'll be following what the Lord asked us to do. And he said this, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men into me. Folks, it's our job to lift up Jesus Christ. That's what he appointed us for. If we lift him up, he will save souls. All we got to do is lift him up. We need to show the world that we have a Savior who loved us enough give his life that we might live. Now, these people were under conviction. And they asked, what does all this mean? All of this that I hear. And Peter stood up and preached them the second greatest sermon that was ever preached in the world. Of course, the Lord preached the greatest. And when Peter, when Peter was done this sermon, they said, over verse 37 of the second chapter, they said to, uh, well, let me, first of all, let me, verse 37, and when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. In other words, they were under conviction. When we present Jesus Christ high and lifted up, the Lord will put people under conviction. We won't do it. The Spirit of God will do it. They were under conviction. What does all this mean? What is going on here? What does all this mean? And the last portion of that 37th verse, they said, Men and brethren, they said to the church, what shall we do? Can you answer that? Can you give an answer to a person who said, what should I do? Look at the simple word that Peter gave them, which any of us can do from memory. He just said two things, repent and be baptized. Now, repent is the first commandment for a person to recognize that their life is not what it ought to be, and they are desirous to get it right, to ask God to forgive their sins. And then he said to be baptized, which simply means to follow the Lord in obedience, do that which he commanded, do something that will demonstrate to the world that you have actually accepted Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes into our life, and we demonstrate that by the process of baptism. If you're not a Christian, you ought to repent of the way you have lived and say unto the Lord, I want to accept you as my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save my soul. When you do that, he will do his part. And then when you have done that, you will want to follow him to demonstrate 
that you are a Christian by being baptized as a demonstration of that which has taken place in your heart. All right. Here is the first great revival. 3,000 people were saved on one day. What caused it? Because Peter preached a great sermon? Well, it was great, but no, that wasn't what caused it. What caused it was there was a church that had been filled with the Spirit. They had been down on their knees. They had wet eyes. And they had a concern for the lost, for their hearts were broken. That's what caused it. Are you ready for the explosion? Can we not put the church on fire by the power of the Spirit coming into our midst and filling our hearts just like you did on the day of Pentecost? Are you a part of that group? If you aren't, you can be a part of the group. By receiving the Lord Jesus Christ, just on faith, receiving the Lord and Savior. If you are a Christian, catch part of that spark, will you? Allow him to fill you so that you can go out and demonstrate to the world that you have been in the presence of the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.